Welcome to the Liquid Church Podcast, a place where you can hear the timeless truth of God's Word in a way that's culturally relevant and cutting edge. We hope you'll discover how God's story relates to your own and that you will leave feeling encouraged. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. The Christmas season brings with it an air of anticipation. There's a feeling in all we do that we are getting ready for something. But in all of our getting ready, what if we're missing something? Like the real something. The holidays may bring the burden of preparation, but Advent brings the joy of expectation. Truly observing Advent looks different than many of our normal Christmas preparations. Instead of being wrapped up in all that it means for Christmas to get here, how can we start really longing for Christ to arrive? Hey, hey, and welcome to Liquid Church. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad you decided to join us wherever you may be jumping in from, whether that's online or at one of our campuses. We're pumped you're with us. This is just such a great time to be here at Liquid as we count down the days to Christmas and the birth of Jesus. We're in week two of our series called Advent and Advent simply translated is, is the coming or the arrival and here what it's here's what it's all about. It's so easy in this season to get distracted by the, the shopping or the noise, the the decorations, the shopping, the, the busyness, and did I mention the shopping of Christmas? These distractions are are everywhere we look. And so as a church, we're just taking a moment to reflect inward on what this time of year really means. We're focusing our, our hearts and our minds as we anticipate, as we, as we look forward to the birth of Jesus. It's, it's really just an opportunity for us to fall in love with him all over again. Uh, each week as a church, we're following a, a centuries-old tradition of lighting the Advent wreath candles. And the week, this week at all of our campuses, we, we lit this second candle, this pink candle, which represents joy. It's called the shepherd's candle, as it was blue collar, out in the field shepherds that were the first to hear the joyful news of Jesus' birth. And what I love about this tradition is that these candles don't just represent Christian virtues of hope, joy, love, and peace. They actually remind us and they call us to embody those virtues with our lives. So last week we talked about how we can have hope even when we're waiting on God. In fact, so many heroes of our faith in the Old Testament held held on to this ancient promise from God that he would one day send a savior or a messiah into the world. And their example encourages us to remain hopeful whenever we feel like we're waiting on God. This week, though, we're unpacking the theme of joy. And again, we're not just celebrating the idea that Jesus, the joy of the world, arrived on that first Christmas. We're also taking time out of our lives and out of our schedules to make sure that we're embodying joy with our lives. In other words, it's not just about joy coming into the world, it's about putting on joy as we celebrate Jesus' coming. And so knowing this and knowing I'd be preaching this week, I, 
I set it out as my mission last week that I was gonna make a special effort for one week to just choose joy in my life. And, and fair warning to everyone out there, it did not go super well. Uh, in fact, it was a complete and utter failure. It started on Monday and I was gonna choose joy for the week. I said, today is my day, my first day of joy. And then I woke up at 3.30 a.m because my daughter is jet lagged from visiting family for the holidays and because her little body is still recovering from daylight savings times and because this dad is a little bit bitter against the person that created daylight savings times. I have to tell you, do you guys know what's joyful about 3.30 in the morning? Nothing. Nothing is joyful about 3.30 a.m. God's not even joyful at 3.30 a.m. So that was Monday of my joy-filled week but I was committed. So Tuesday rolled around and I said, I'm gonna choose joy today. But I needed to stack the deck in my favor. So on the way into work, I stopped at Starbucks, not Dunkin', Starbucks, because I'm going to choose joy with the power of the Holy Spirit and God's coffee in my hand. So I ordered my coffee and I pulled up to the window and that's when they gave me iced coffee. It's 20 degrees outside, outside. I've spent my entire life in the sunny, sunny states of Texas, California, Florida, and Starbucks gave me an iced coffee. Who's even selling iced coffee in December? I'm too polite to send it back, so I just take it and run with it, and my day's ruined. That's Tuesday. Wednesday showed up, and I'm not sure if it's the lack of sleep or the lack of caffeine from the past two days or a little bit of both, but as a result, I'd fallen behind at work. So on Wednesday, instead of digging deep and finding joy, I dug deep into the stress and chaos as I tried to get all my work done. I ended up staying later than expected, and then I had explained to my two-year-old daughter and my wife why I wasn't home in time for dinner. It's hard to have joy when you feel like you're letting the people around you down, isn't it? On Thursday, I got the call from back home. My grandma's in the hospital and it's not looking good. The doctors are disagreeing on the next step for her treatment. And my dad's asking me if I can make a trip back home in case I need to say goodbye. On Friday, I jumped onto my computer to just check the bank account to make sure the funds were there to, to book my trip. And, that's when I realized the business hadn't performed as well as I needed it to and as well as I wanted it to this fall. And what is it about Christmas that just makes money so tight in this season? It feels like there's always just this choice you have to make between the presents, the trip with the family, or the groceries. And then Saturday showed up, and just to be honest with you guys, I was done trying to choose joy by that point, so I just chose a nap because my week had beaten me down to the point of exhaustion. And then I showed up on Sunday, and I was like, whose idea was it to do this Advent thing anyway? Has anyone else ever had a week like that? Anyone else have that week this week? Choosing joy is not all that easy, is it? And I think sometimes we have this idea, this idea that if we just try harder or dig deeper, we can find that joy down deep inside of us that we're all looking for. And part of the problem is that this is exactly what our culture tells us we should do. This is what Oprah says about joy. She says, what I know for sure is that you feel real joy in direct proportion to how connected you are to living your truth. Just live out your truth and you're going to find that joy within you because joy is somewhere down inside of you. Carlos Santana says, if you carry joy in your heart, you can heal any moment. 
And that quote just makes us feel good, doesn't it? There's this pervasive idea in our culture that tells us we just look into our heart and find the joy that we're seeking after. We even sometimes in churches, as kids, were taught a song. It goes like this. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my where? Uh, You almost got it. This is not too bad. At least you're singing beautiful. But I got bad news. You were lied to as a child. There's no joy down in your heart. I've got even worse news. Oprah was lying to you too. Joy doesn't work like that. I'll just prove it to you. Just close your eyes. Just work with me here. Close your eyes wherever you're at, online, at all of our campuses. And here's what I want you to do. Just visualize that joy deep down in your heart. And I want you to grab hold of it. Go deeper. A little bit deeper. Deeper still. Really grab it. And then on the count of three, you're going to open your eyes. And you'll just feel more joyful. One, two, three. Who's more joyful? And none of us are because it doesn't work like that. Because there's not this joy down in your heart that you can just grab hold of. Uh, To be fair, there is one great theologian in our culture that does have this idea of joy down. It's of course Post Malone, who says joy is the coolest, coldest lover I know only because she never comes. And the harder I try, the more I become miserable. What he's saying is that the harder you try to dig deeper inside of yourself to find it, the more miserable you become. Here's maybe another way of saying it. Before joy can pee down in your heart, someone has to put it there. And the scriptures, they, they scream this idea over and over and over again. Psalm 1611. God will fill me with joy in his presence. John 15, 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. John 16, 24, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Not a single scripture tells us to find joy down in our heart. No, instead, every major scriptural teaching on joy involves it being given. You don't find joy. You're filled with joy. Before joy can be down in your heart, someone has to put it there. You can maybe say it like this, that joy is not found in here. It's found in him. Are you with me? But that leaves us with this big, big question. How do we grab hold of that joy that God wants to give us? Well, today I want to give you the formula I want you to walk away with just three practical steps to take joy wherever you go. And here's the best part. I didn't come up with it. Jesus did. So you know it works. Here are the three simple steps that Jesus gives us to be filled with joy. U-J-O-Y. The first thing you do is you put Jesus first in anything and everything you do. That means that we do and we listen to what God has for our lives. Next, after we put Jesus first, we put others ahead of ourselves. We care for and we love the people that God has placed in our lives. And then, lastly, why yourself? The one that we typically love the most, the one that we typically put first, we put last. And this is Jesus' recipe for joy. This is the recipe that Jesus followed with his own life and his own ministry. Watch how Hebrews 12, 2 lays out this formula. It says, for the joy found deep down in Jesus' heart. No, 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 it doesn't say that. 
Notice that even Jesus doesn't look down inside of him. He looks to his heavenly Father to fill him with joy. What the writer of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then Jesus sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Watch how it works even for Jesus. Step one, for the joy that set before him, he endured the cross. He followed the path that God the Father had for him. Jesus said, your will be done, not mine. He put God first in his life. And then he went to the cross. Why? Because it was a fun thing to do? No, he came and went to the cross on our behalf. He gave up his life for us, for others. Watch what the writer of Hebrews says happened as a result. Jesus put God first, others second. The scripture says that he was elevated to the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, if you follow Jesus' example, J-O-Y, God will lift you up. James 4.10 says it like this, that if you humble yourselves before the Lord, he will lift you up. Humble yourself just means you put Jesus and others first. And I know, I know what you're thinking, this sounds so, so simple. But watch what tends to happen in this, in this scenario. We recognize that Jesus should come first. We recognize that others should come second. But we've got a problem because I don't know about you, but sometimes I tend to really like myself. And maybe this is just me, but that yourself category always finds a way to creep up higher in the order. And I think we all have this tendency in our lives to put ourselves first. Gallup poll um, over the course of 2019 through 2021 did an extensive study of this very thing. And this is a secular polling group. They're not connected to the church at all. And you can actually find their published findings on their webpage. You can search that today. And they were studying the mental well-being of individuals over the course of those three years, 2019, 2020, and 2021. And through those three years, they just charted out the negative effects that external circumstances can have on the levels of mental happiness, well-being, and just overall joyfulness that we experience. And these findings are so staggering because in 2020, you've got this worldwide pandemic, you've got political upheaval, you've got an economic freefall, and all of these have these just severely negative effects on the level of joy that people are experiencing in their lives. So what they did is they, they asked people from all work walks of life and all backgrounds, just simple questions regarding their mental well-being to figure out which types of people had true sustainable joy despite the circumstances going on around them. So for, for instance, half of the participants were male and then half of the participants were female. And if you guys had to guess which one of these two groups, the men or the women, reported a rise in their level of joyfulness from 2019 going into 2020, which would you say? How many of you would vote that the males were more joyful after 2020 than they were in 2019? Oh, we got some hands raised in the room. You can put your uh, answer in the chat. Uh, it doesn't look like there's a ton of hope for the guys out here. Uh, how many of you guys would vote for the ladies being more joyful? Okay, some of us in the room. Let's see the answer. The answer is neither. Both males and females reported nearly a double-digit percentage loss in the amount of joyfulness they experienced from 2019 into 2020. What that means is that your gender is largely irrelevant in determining sustained joyfulness because joy is not found in here, joy is found in him. 
Here's another one, personal wealth. There's two categories, um, those that make over 100,000 for their household income and those who make under 100,000, dividing the economic lower class from the economic upper class. And just raise your hand if you think the wealthier group found more joy in 2020 than in 2019. Some of you guys are a little bit nervous, like I'm gonna get you again to even answer right now. Uh, raise your hand if you think it was the less wealthy people that were more joyful. Here's the answer. I got you again, because no one's happier. Wealth has no impact on sustaining joy. Let me remind you once more, joy is not found out there. Joy is found where? In him. And if you just run through the whole Gallup poll, you'll see these crazy results. If you're married or not married, any guesses? Nope, it doesn't make a difference at all. All less joyful in 2020. Joy's not found in someone. Joy's found in him. Let's look at race. White people versus non-white people. And again, it just doesn't make much of a difference. Across the board, in every single category, you saw double-digit losses in people's mental well-being and the level of joy they experienced year over year. Except for one single major category. There was one category of people that saw their joyfulness increase as the circumstances of the world got more difficult. Can you guess who that group was? It's the group of people that attended church on a weekly basis. Yeah, come on, we can celebrate that, can't we? We can celebrate that. This is what happens when we place God first in our lives. I'm not just up here making this stuff up. Joy is not found in here. Joy is found in him. When you put him first, he will lift you up, even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of economic freefall and political upheaval. God can fill you with joy if, 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 if you put him first. And here's the thing, part of the reason why you're excited about this stat and you're clapping and cheering for it right now is because you're literally in church right now. So this feels really good, doesn't it? You're like, yep, I'm doing it. You're like, woo, pastor, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart right now. Not because of me, but because of Jesus, because I'm in church and I'm feeling really, really good about myself. But before we get too far down that road, Remember that I mentioned that we can sometimes mix up the order a little bit and move that yourself category up to the top. The busyness of our life can begin to creep in. Putting ourselves first can begin to creep in. And what will happen every once in a while is we'll swap Jesus out of the first category in our life. And I just wanna warn you that it has devastating consequences. There's an incredible danger to what that can bring. I want to show you one last stat. This is the group of people that come to church once a month. Notice that it's the same as if you never come at all. What this is saying is that God doesn't want to be one of the things in your life. He wants to be the number one thing in your life. And I'm not trying to beat you up for not coming to church every week. In fact, I don't think this is really even talking about church attendance. I think it's talking about the priorities that we have in our life overall. And if your priority is yourself, if your priority is your schedule, if your priority is all the things about you, you'll never have the joy that God wants you to have. You'll never grab hold of it. 
And this is just so, so important in a Christmas season where there's so many distractions that just trip us up and take our focus off of Jesus. So here's my challenge to you, Liquid. Stay vigilant, stay focused, stay, stay here. Don't, don't lean out in a season that should all, all be about leaning in. That's the entire reason why Advent exists. It's, it's why we're lighting these candles on this wreath each week. They're, they're reminders. They're all indicators for us to grab hold of the thing that matters most. So don't get caught up in allowing Jesus to become one of the things in your life. Make him the number one thing in your life. Now, as a church, we, we recognize how difficult this can be and so our team put together some resources to help you keep Jesus at the center of your holiday and at the center of your life. Um, every day for the next few weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to be posting a new Advent devotional video on the Liquid mobile app. And they're just these short three to five minute videos and devos that are going to help you clear your mind and center your heart towards the real meaning behind the Christmas season. Uh, tomorrow, when you wake up, here's what we're asking you to do. It's just to slow down for first few minutes and meet Jesus first. To give him the first part of your life. Uh, in the app that's going to be part of your daily habits, but you can also opt to get these devotionals texted to you each morning uh, to subscribe. Just text ADVENT to 85737 right now, and, and this handsome guy right here will be right there waiting for you when you wake up. You're welcome. <laughs> Here's what we're saying. Just make the commitment. Put Jesus first in your life, and I promise you, watch, watch how he's going to begin to fill you with his joy. So to recap, we've got J, which is Jesus first. The, the second thing is O, which is others second. And I think this one is, is pretty intuitive for us. I think we all recognize that when we care for others, we just feel a little bit better about ourselves. This idea is, is central throughout Jesus' teaching. There's this moment one day when an expert of the law came up to Jesus with a question, trying to trip him up. Uh, we can pick up the account in Matthew 22, and here's what the expert, expert asked. He said, teacher, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied back, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first, and it's the greatest commandment. And he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commands. Did you catch it? Love God first, and then love others second. If you do these two things, everything will pretty much sort it out in your life. God will lift you up. And if you've been to church for much time at all, you've probably heard that verse, or, or at least a version of that verse at some point. And again, it just, it sounds so simple. Love God, love others. But the world around us is set up in a way to try to trip us up on the order of these things. I'll tell you what I mean. It, you just take the Christmas season right now where we're at, it's literally a whole month of the year. To be fair, it's three months out of the year if you put up your Christmas decorations back in October like I did. Um, don't judge me, my wife made me do it. But for more normal people, it's an entire month out of the year that's focused on two main things. The first one is the birth of Jesus. The second one is giving gifts to our loved ones. Christmas should be the, the easiest, the most joyful time of the year, but watch what happens. 
You put together your Christmas list of all the names of the people that you want to give gifts to. It's literally a list of names. None of those names are yours unless your family does some sort of weird thing where you give yourself a gift. But otherwise, it's all focused on other people. But here's what happens to me, at least. I get busy, I overpack my Christmas schedule, and then I start to worry. Will I have enough time to get all these gifts? How am I gonna go shopping? What if they don't like the gifts that I'm going to give them? That worry, it, it turns into stress, and then I find myself last minute shopping at Target the day before Christmas, frustrated, disappointing, just grabbing whatever's left on the shelves. I end up wrapping it on Christmas Eve, sometimes even giving it out of obligation rather than love and joy and did you catch what happened? There's this subtle switch. Somehow, we can turn even a list of other people's names into being about us. We're so good at shifting the focus back onto ourselves, aren't we? Can I give you this warning? A warning for this Christmas season. Slow down. Remember what it's about. It's two things. It's the birth of our king first. And it's about serving the people that God has placed in our lives. And, and Advent is built into our rhythm so that we can grab hold of the joy that God has for us. This was actually a lesson I learned the hard way back in 2020. Um, but I learned it through glitter bombs and care packages. I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, I, I shared with you guys in the past how um, difficult a season that year was. Um, my role at the church that I was at changed with everything going online. Our business nearly went bankrupt as we we're no longer allowed to, to rent Airbnbs for an extended period of time. My wife and I suffered through a miscarriage. And, and for me, all of those losses just started to pile up one after the next. If you'd asked me in 2019 if I had the joy, 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 joy down the heart, I would have said yes. But if you'd pulled me again going into 2021, I would have told you that I was depressed, that I was burnt out, that I was exhausted, I couldn't sleep, I was anxious. It literally felt like I was dying from the inside out. I'd wake up every single morning and I barely had enough energy to make it to the couch. And in that season, I just kept running through every single stressor in my life. The job loss, the business bankruptcy, the financial pressure, the loss of our child, and, and it was all in replay in my mind over and over and over again. It was far and away the worst season of my entire life. Notice that each of those things that I kept replaying were all about me and what I was going through. And here's the thing, no matter how hard I tried to dig deeper and just grab that joy inside of me, I, I, I couldn't fix it and I couldn't change it on my own. Joy doesn't work that way, does it? I remember one particular day, I was at my very, very worst. I'm laying on the couch when Casey came home from the store. She's running around the living room doing some sort of art project, and I asked her what she was, what she was up to, partially because I was curious, but mostly because I was just annoyed that she's interrupting my nap. Don't judge me. I told you I was in a rough place. She responded and told me that her heart was hurting for all of her friends whose kids were under quarantine, and so she wanted to send them encouraging letters and care packages. Yes, I know my wife is a saint. And then she asked me if I wanted help, so I threw a pillow at her. <laughs> 
partially because she was interrupting my nap, but mostly because she was making me feel even worse about myself because I wasn't as kind as her. But after about two hours of her putting together these care packages, I finally made my way over to the table to join her, and I sat down, and she gave me a job to do. Uh, I could lightly glitter the boxes and seal them to be sent out later that day. In my defense, I was in no sort of emotional state to be given such a hefty responsibility, so I just, what happened next wasn't really my fault. Uh, because instead of lightly glittering each box, I started loading those boxes full of the finest glitter you could possibly imagine. And the entire time, all I could think about was my friends' and family's faces when they would hand their kids this care box and the kid would open it up and they would have entire glitter bombs all over their house. In fact, this is probably as uh, good as time as ever um, to issue apology to my wife. I'm sorry, Casey, and to publicly repent to all my friends who received glitter lace packages from me in that time period. I apologize for the cleanup, but like I said, I was going through a dark time. I was in no sort of emotional state to be handed glitter without supervision. So what I'm really saying, it was all Casey's fault. <laughs> we laugh, but can I tell you something real about that day? It was one of the first times in months that I even had a glimmer of hope. My life had, had devolved into a replay of every single circumstance and thing that I was facing. It was all about what was going on with me. And, and to be fair, those were hard and those were awful things. But watch what happened. I took 20 minutes, 20 minutes to take the focus off of myself and put it onto someone else. And what I was doing wasn't even all that benevolent. And yet still watch what happened. I felt joy again. I'm not saying that like sending out care packages healed my depression and fixed all my problems. No, there's a lot more work to do and a lot more counseling that had to be done. What I am saying though is that in a season filled with darkness, I look back at that one moment of putting others first and it was this ray of light and hope. It was this feeling that maybe, maybe I could feel like myself again one day. And right now, if if you're in a season like I was where it just feels so hopeless, if you're battling depression or anxiety and it feels like the joy is so, so far away, let me just, let me tell you two things. The first one is, I'm, I'm so sorry. I can't even begin to imagine the, the heartache that you're walking through. You were never meant to carry this sort of burden on your own. So that's the first thing I want you to know. The second thing is something I, I learned as Jesus slowly pulled me out of my pit as a promise. And here's the promise that there may be pain in the night, but, 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 joy comes in the morning. The light will dawn, the darkness will end. Jesus can pull you out. Put him first, put others second, and he will lift you up. That's the power of putting others first. Jesus says it this way, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And, and I just wonder what would happen in, in all of our lives if we made a commitment to do just that, to put the people around us first. There's something just so powerful when we take the focus off of ourselves and place it onto someone else. And, and really, that's what makes Christmas so special. There's no better season 
than this. In fact, that's why every year as a church, we come together uh, to pack at all of our campuses over a million meals for the less fortunate around the world. It doesn't just make a difference in the Philippines. It also makes a difference in us. Something amazing happens. When we shift our focus and put it onto someone else, we get filled with joy. So this Christmas, can I issue you a challenge? Don't be robbed of the true joy of this season. Don't let your busyness take away from the people that God has placed in your life. In fact, this Advent, we have a a resource for you to help you invest in the lives of the people you love. On our app, you can find an Advent candle lighting host guide. And this is just a gift from our team to help you invest in others. And here's the challenge. Find 20 minutes this week to sit down with your family or maybe even invite some friends over and host a time to just appreciate one another. Take some time to take the focus off yourself and place it onto the people that God has placed in your life. Every detail is covered in the book. It'll tell you exactly what to say, what to do, when to do it. We even have a special guide for you to use with your kids. And I just hope you'll just take advantage of it and utilize it as a tool this Advent to put Jesus first and then others second. And here's what's beautiful about about our God. If we put him first, another second, here's his promise to us. It comes from Jesus in, in Matthew 6. And here's what he says. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then, and then all these things are going to be given unto you as well. What he's saying is that God's got you. So let me remind you one more time. Joy is not found in here. Joy is found in him. And here's my prayer for each of you, that you would be reminded as we count down to Christmas, this Advent season, to keep our eyes on Jesus and our eyes on the people he's placed in our lives. And if you do that, you'll find joy. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much that we don't have to manufacture joy or find it deep down in our heart, but rather you give it to us freely. We pray that we would put you first in our lives, that we would that we would lift you up and make you the very center of this season because it really, truly is all about you. Lord, you've also blessed us with all of these people in our lives. We pray that we'd be able to invest in them. We'd put them second, and then we'd put ourselves first. Take the focus off of us and put it where it's supposed to be so that you can give us the joy that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to check out Liquid Church for a weekend service, small group, outreach, or clean water trip, you can find out more about us online at liquidchurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe or share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening.